0: Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message.
1: Wow. What a great morning, man. Wasn't that worship great? Whoa, we just thank God for our worship team. And you know what? We've got a place for you on the worship team also. Hey, listen, if I haven't told you lately, I just want to look across the room and tell you today how much that I love you. I couldn't imagine doing life without you. What a joy that God has brought your life close to our life so we can do life together. What a privilege. Man, uh, how many of you were at the All You Need Is Love conference this weekend? Oh, man, you can't go back and repeat that, but you want to be sure you don't miss any other events like that. I mean, it it was so much worth it. And besides, $60 is a whole lot cheaper than divorce. (laughs) And uh, ladies, we have the Ladies' Sisterhood conference coming up. Listen, we say often it's going to be awesome, it's going to be wonderful, you should be there. But I know some of the things that they're going to share. I know some of the people that will be here. And they're going to add value to your life and your purpose and your destiny. There's nothing worse than just waddling through life and not sure what God has for you. But I'll tell you, if you attend the Sisterhood Conference, you're going to know. So you need to sign up today. And uh, it, today's the last day, so be sure to do that. Well, we're in for a real treat this morning. We have Pastor Kevin with us again and Pastor Melissa in the house. Wow. Listen, can you, can you believe how we work, people, when they come to Father's house? Uh, they taught a Friday night, Saturday morning. And Pastor Kevin's on today, and then Pastor Kevin and Melissa are going to be meeting with our school of ministry team this evening to continue to minister. So we just want to suck everything out of them that God has deposited in them. And so you pray, say amen, take notes. I, I, one of the greatest men in my life is Pastor Kevin Goff, and his, and of course his wonderful wife, Melissa. Uh, there's not a week goes by that they don't check on us, say, how you doing? Where are you? Okay, what can we do for you. And then he's also always asking, hey, how's so-and-so going? He knows everybody. So, I mean, when you, got, you got to be careful when he's up here. He'll look at you right in the face and he'll call you by name. And when he calls you by name, God's got you, okay? So this is the day. So we are so honored. Uh, he's, he, he's not a guest here. Uh, he and Melissa are at home he pastors a great church in Phoenix, Arizona called The Rock. There's two in Arizona. And then he has The Rock in Oklahoma City. And Anita and I were privileged to be there two weeks ago and to preach on Sunday morning. And he's just continued to expand as God is opening more and more campuses to their ministry and what God is doing. But I'd like for you to just get on your feet and give him a warm welcome to the Father's house this morning. Would you do that?
0: Good morning, Father's house. What's happening? How y'all doing? Well, that's pretty good. How are the rest of you doing? I'm used to a better response from this church. That sounded like that's that's that sound that, sound, that sound like a Presbyterian church I preached in one time. I said, How y'all doing? There, there, that's the father's house I know. It's so good to be here. So great to be with y'all. And Pastor Terry said it right. We're not guests anymore, we're just family and We've built so many relationships here over the years. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how long I've been on the board. I think it's been 15 or 16 years I've been serving on the board here at the Father's House and building relationships. I've watched your kids grow up. I look around and see some of these young adults, and they are actually were kids when I came around and so young, and, and just to see them grow up and become who they are is a fantastic thing, and we just love this house so much. And just so you remember, this is vitally important to us as pastors. I know it's vitally important to your pastors. It's not just who is in here within the four walls sitting with us right now. Every week you have people joining you that can't be here, whether they're at home not feeling well, they're gone on vacation, uh, maybe they're working, but they take, to t- they take the time to join us. So it's your online family and community. Put your hands together. Welcome them. Let them know. Come on, you're thinking of them. You're praying for them. Come on, that's good. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I've not, seen, I've not seen some of those years, they've not been feeling well, but I see, I, I'm online almost every week with y'all, and I don't say hi a lot of times, sometimes Pastor Terry's preaching, and I'll text him hoping it comes across his iPad, um, and, and, and just give him a hard time, but I know there's people that join every week, like Charles Peepaw, Peepaw, Peepaw joins every week. Right, I see Cindy every week online. I see people online, so we just welcome them, and we're so glad they're here. Uh, let me just say, and we're trying to get through this as briefly as I can without, without uh, you know, without making it light. But your pastors, he said it. You know, they're some of our greatest friends. Uh, my wife and Pastor Nita met 21 years ago, and I had the privilege not long after that of meeting your pastor, Pastor Terry, and it was just instant love. He loved me. I loved him. And all these years, there's nothing we wouldn't do for one another. In fact, for the past 20 years, we might have done anything for each other. No, I don't mean that. I I don't mean that. Absolutely love them. Listen, their, their reputation and this church reputation precede you. I've never heard one poor word spoken of them or your church. I know you love them. So I want you to do me a favor. Put your hands together. Show some love. Let them know how much you love them. There you go. There you go. There it is. That's what you should do right there. Come on. Yeah. Come on. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be right there. I love it. I know there's people sitting there going, why do they stand and clap for the pastors? Because the Bible says they're worthy of double honor. You know, we honor them. So we just thank you for your serving. Thank you. And, and next to, there on the front row on this end is my beautiful, wonderful wife. Uh, everyone thinks she's so quiet, and she is until she's on the platform or at home. And, and she always has something good to say. So that's my wife, Melissa. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> Some people, some people say, yeah, me and my wife, are 50-50. We're not. She's 80% of who we are, so love her so much. Come on, let's pray. Let's believe for the word today. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that right now you're going to minister to each one of our hearts. God, we pray that you open our eyes and our ears to your word, open our hearts to receive. We know your word is anointed, but God, we pray you would just open us to receive all that you have for us. Lord, we, we will not hope that someone else heard this, our spouse, our children, our parents, we will pray, God, that we hear this. You change our hearts. We want to be in line and walk in sync with you according to your word. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Come on. ever say amen. amen. Uh, we had a wonderful time over this past weekend with this marriage time together. It was fantastic. Several of you were there, and we just had fun, fun, fun. Uh, I was thinking through the course of the last few days, and as I was preparing for the message I'm that guy that I can't, I I just can't grab a canned message. My wife knows that. Years ago, when I got into trouble spiritually and we lost everything in our life, it was because I got to where I was relying on old notes, I relied on old things. And it dawned on me when I, stopped, when I stopped digging the word out for myself, it was just for a message or to help another couple, that I became stagnant, and that's when I fell apart. So as I've grown in my maturity, I've grown in my level of thinking, I believe in maturity in my mind, I know that we got to stay fresh, we gotta, we got to keep digging, amen? Look at someone and say, keep digging. digging. Here's some things I want to read, some things I found while I was putting this together for this week. Uh, Eleanor Roosevelt said the first one. It said, today is the oldest you've ever been and the youngest you'll ever be again. Today is the oldest you've ever been and the youngest you'll ever be again. Uh, This next one is an unknown source. It says, as people grow older, it's funny how childhood punishments like going to bed early, being grounded to not leave the house, and not going to a party becomes their life goals. George Burns, he said this next one. He said, I remember a day I could get out of bed without sound effects. Good times. Good times. And here's my personal favorite from an unknown source. It says, I've reached the age where my brain has gone from, you probably shouldn't say that, to, what the heck? Let's see what happens. (laughs) <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the aging process with people. And it's amazing how some things do change with age. It's, you go through strange age, ages. And some of you here, you've been through those strange ages where you're kind of caught in between. I'm kind of there now. I'm at a strange age myself where I'm too old for Snapchat or TikTok, but I'm too young for life alert. So <laughs> I'm kind of I'm stuck in between this area right now where I'm not sure sometimes exactly where I fit in. Some people are finding aging as very difficult. I'm choosing to find the good in it. I'm choosing to find the good in aging. There are some advantages to aging. Uh, for instance, how about this one? The older I get, the more I realize the things that cost me nothing hold the greatest value. They hold the greatest value. Uh, Or this one, Nora Ephron summed it up in six words. I love it. It says, I'm losing my eyesight, but gaining insight. I'm losing my eyesight, but gaining insight. And there it is. There's the one thing that eventually gets us all, our eyesight. Our eyes are going to fail us to a certain degree as we age. I don't know about you, but I was once an eyesight denier. Uh Any other eyesight deniers out there? that you wanted to say, my eyes are fine, I always had perfect vision, 20-20 vision, I could read whether it was way out there or if it was right here, I would tell my older friends, look, I haven't lost my vision. I would read something up close and I started getting older and I wanted to deny it was getting worse, so I would still prove it by reading things, but it was things I was kind of familiar with. So if I could make the outline out, I could at least say what it said. But if they put something new in front of you, you'd be like, I, 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 I can't read that, right? And that's why they give you the eye charts. They fit you for glasses and you finally give up and you're reading D, E, 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 F, G. And you're like, okay, fine. I can't read that bottom line. I have to admit, I need some new lenses. Everyone say, it happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it happens to the best of us. And I think to myself, spiritually speaking, how many times do we, as Christians, need maybe a lens change, but we are, we are vision or eyesight deniers? We go to church. It just becomes something we do. It just becomes part of our religious duty. We're not keeping it fresh. We're not digging in deep. We're not seeing anything new. In fact, we're so familiar with it to prove we're still okay spiritually, we go back to our favorite things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you've been in church for two weeks, you can probably quote that. Or the other familiar standby, such as, um, you know, greater is he he that is in me than he... Yeah, see, all of you know what I'm talking about. And as long as we're familiar with it, we can make it out. But what about in our Christian life when we journey into uncharted territory? What about in our Christian life when we're we're seeing things we've never seen before, we're encountering things we've never encountered before, when the land we scope out don't look like the land we've been in, when God might lead us down another path we've never walked down, and all of a sudden we can't make out the vision, we can't make out the clarity, with clarity what God is saying. It is then we have to know that we are staying in the Bible, we're staying in the Word, we're growing in our spiritual life so that things aren't vague to us, but with clarity God is speaking in such a way That we can say, I know what God is saying to me today. Amen? Come on, look at someone you're sitting by and say, He's talking to you now. (laughs) It's those difficult times in the unfamiliar territory, right? That we have to understand that He parted the Red Sea for the Israel children. Ever say the Israel children? Y'all remember that story, Moses bringing the Israel children out of Egypt? It's a story most of, most of us are familiar with. He parted the Red Sea. He fed them with manna. He fed them with food in the wilderness. He, he brought food in ways that was miraculous. The shoes even grew on their feet. Didn't wear out. That would be amazing. I'd have a lot more room in my closet if my wife's shoes just would not wear out or stayed in style, or whatever it would take just to not keep accumulating shoes. And I just, I'm not in trouble, and she knows that, because now when we travel, I usually have more pair of shoes than she does. And so the idea would be in this world, the idea would, thank you, Pastor Terry, the idea would be in this world, we we have this saying that's been around for a long time, and here's the saying, you know what it says? I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Anybody here from Missouri? Anyone from Missouri? Oh, there you are, so proud of being from Missouri. (laughs) Missouri, they have a nickname for their state. It's called the Show Me State. I'll believe it when I see it perfect example because I have family members from there. My father was from that area. And and when you start thinking about that, we all can be a little skeptical. We can all be a little skeptical to what life is about, what people are about, and we will make that statement. I'll believe it when I see it. How about as Christians, if we flip the script? How about as Christians, instead of saying that, we say something like this, I'll see it, not, I'll see it, not, I'll see it when I believe it, but believing is seeing. That when I believe it, I will see it that I've got to be able, within my heart, within my faith, within the vision God has placed within me, within the life God has given me, I've got to be able to see things others can't see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We want to see it, but sometimes we have to believe it before we can see it, amen? And I think that's huge. I think we forget that's part of our Christian walk. And so, as God brought Moses and the Israel children through, do we have that kind of faith to say, you know what, I might not see it right now in my physical life, but when I look in my faith, when I close my eyes and I begin to see inside of me what God planted, can I believe it to the degree that it will produce out in front of me what God has promised me? Amen? Amen? How many's had a promise from God in your life? Well, his promise still stands. We just sing about it. Great is his faithfulness. Amen? If we're not careful, we don't understand that from the promise to the finished product, it can be vastly different. When I started the Rock Church... When I started, and and Pastor Terry started this church, that's why I'm so impressed with this church because they carved the Father's house out of nothing. You weren't there when they were in Shonies. You weren't there when they were in the little meeting room. Some of you might have been, but all of you weren't there because all of you would have never fit there right? And what they saw was just a dream and a hope and a vision of what God had impregnated them with. They didn't know that over 26 years later, the path they would walk would look the way it walk, the way it is because when the promise to the finished product never looks the same. God gives us glimpses. Everyone say glimpses. He knows the beginning from the end, but he not, as he knows it, he don't show it. Let me tell you why, because if God had shown me everything I would walk through to get where I'm at, I would have never went down the path. I, would have had, I wouldn't have had the courage. I wouldn't have had the faith. I, I wouldn't have had that tenacity. If I'd have known I was going to walk through what I walked through, if I was going to have known, it would, it would cost me my mind, my marriage. It would cost me my son's life. If I'd have known I'd have walked through some of the things I walked through, I wouldn't be standing here today because I'd have backed up seven yards and punted the ball and said, no, no, give someone else the ball. Come on, y'all with me? And some of you have been promised some things that you've given up on. Some of you have pro- been promised some things from God that because things got tough, the fire was turned up, the heat was turned up, you ran out of the kitchen screaming. And the truth is, we have to say to ourselves, if God brought me to it, God will bring me through it. If God promised it to me, he will present it, come on, he will present it to me, and he will, come on, he will manifest it through me, Amen. Look at this. I want to read the story I just talked about with Moses, if we can do that for a little bit today, in Numbers chapter 13. And verses 25 through 33, it says this: After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that had they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses: We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the here is the kind of fruit it produced. But the people living there are powerful, and the towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Malachites live in the Negev. The Hittites and Jebusites and Ammonites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report. Let me tell you something about being in church. I don't know how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter to me the distance and time you've been in church. Here's the first principle you need to learn and live by. Whether you've been here for a week, you've been here for 10 years, you were here at Sony's. Anytime God brings a vision through the leadership, through the pastor, anytime God says this is what we're going to do and this is what you're capable of, you better beware of those who begin to spread a bad report among the people because you at that moment will stand on one side or the other. You will have to decide who is on the Lord's side among us. Because if God is bringing us to it, I believe God has promised it, then I am strong enough to believe that whatever we encounter, whatever cities are fortified, whatever people are strong, whatever giants might be in the land, God is the one who will defeat them. He has promised what he has promised, and we will see it come to pass. Amen? But you can't see those things out there. You have to see them in here. They only saw obstacles and giants out there. Are you all with me? And I think it's vital we understand that. Look, at this was their evil report. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. All the people we saw there was huge, and we saw giants. Did you all catch that? So I don't know what kind of people these were, but I can tell you they've been eating honey, drinking milk, and the fruit was good because it produced a lot of big people. It's like me standing next to Pastor Terry. I see huge people. Well, frankly, it's like me standing by almost anyone, to be, to be honest with you. you know. But this is what they could see with their natural eye. But they weren't sent there by natural circumstances. They were sent there by God saying, this is the land I promised you. They allowed the physical eye to see what only spiritual eyes can view. They allowed themselves to see only what you can see when you're in partnership with God. They allowed themselves to see, come on, things that are there that God said, don't worry about what you see with your natural eye, it's what you see in your heart, it's what I've called you to, it's what I've promised you, I will bring you through it because I've called you to it. Come on, y'all with me? And I think we tend to forget that if we're not careful. It's not just them, it's been going on since then, but we still do it. So how do we see beyond natural circumstances? How do we develop the kind of eyes that see when there's giants in the land? How is it we fight through when all of a sudden it seems like we're gonna to have to fight through? How do we develop? God's calling someone, so you better answer. He's, he's wanting to give you the answer right now. Here's how it is number one, write this down. We have to have a we can attitude. Have a we can attitude. Ever say we can? Look at your neighbor, look at your spouse, and say we can. Everyone touch yourself right here and say, I can. can. Oh, really, can we now? (laughs) Look at the story in verse 27. Here's the fruit that the lamb produces. Now, if you read the story, you'll find out this was two men carrying grapes on a pole between them because they couldn't carry it in a Safeway shopping bag. They didn't walk out of publics going, these are okay. No, no. They walked with the pole between them with the big, come come on, y'all with me? So it was absolutely a wonderful land God sent them to. But there were giants. There were walls, fortified cities. It's scary in there. Can I just say this to you? You've been through scary things before, and you're still breathing. You're still breathing. You've been through scary things before. I don't know about you, I've been through a few scary things. It wasn't very long ago, as some of you know, my wife and I were at that country concert when that mass shooting broke out in Vegas. We were there. But you know what? Here I am still standing after all this time. There are advantages to being a little guy sometimes, obviously. <laughs> what would happen if when people say we can't, we say yes we can. When people say that's impossible, you say to them, even in that word are the words I'm possible. If you say to yourself "Then we can't, then you deny the fact God said you can. The greater is he really that's in you than he that's coming against you. Our perspective is everything. The way we view it, the way we see it, what we see within our life is everything. Hardships will come, but we have to decide our attitude before they get here. My wife and I, we lost a child. Most of you know that story. We lost a nine-year-old twin boy. And we've had some hardships even during that time and after that time. But here's what I do know, that I have to set my face like a flint. I have to say, nothing's gonna stop me from what God's called me to. There's nothing to be taken from me that that will keep. So I don't know what news will come through the door today. I know what it is to have the worst of news come through the door. I don't know what will be reported to me today. But here's what I know. Regardless of what comes through the door today, I'm still going to be standing tomorrow. And even if it's painful, even if I shed some tears, you can be sure of one thing. It's not going to steal my joy. It's not going to damp- damper my attitude. It's not going to make me doubt God or my faith. I'm going to walk through it knowing that although the fire's been turned up, God's brought me there. And if God allowed it and God brought me there, he's empowered me to walk through it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen? Yes, amen? Come on, y'all with me? Yes. Check this out. Numbers 14, 7-9. They said to all the people, this is now Caleb and Joshua speaking, they said to all the people of Israel, the land we travel through and explored is a wonderful land. If the Lord is pleased with us, in other words, if the Lord said yes, if the Lord said it's okay, if the Lord sent me here, if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of that land. They are hopeless Pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Now imagine this these 10 spies with the negative report and two spies saying we can do it. The, the 10 are saying, oh no, it's big, it's bad, people are huge, there's walls, it's a fortified city. These two are saying we can do it. They're praying for us. They have no protection. God is with us. Yeah. These people are viewing through their Normal, naturalized. These two are viewing through the promise of God. What God said, what God said, what God said, what God said. You only see that through your spiritual eye. Through faith is the only way you can see the things that God has promised you. No other way but through faith. I'm going to say, through faith. A weak hand attitude doesn't give into fear because of this right here. A we can attitude knows that God is included in the we. I don't look at my wife and say, baby, as long as you're on my team and I'm on your team, we're okay. Uh-uh, no, no. I say, baby, as long as we're on the same team and God is on our team, we can charge hell with a squirt gun. But if God ain't on my side, I'm not charging anything with 10 water trucks behind me. You know what I'm saying? The key is who's on your team and whose team you're on. Let's be like Caleb. Let's look at what God said about him in Numbers 14, 24. But my servant, Caleb, this is a different story. He has a different spirit. He follows me passionately. I'll bring him into the land that he scouted, and his children will inherit it. Not only will he eat of the land, his children will rule there. They will inherit that land. What spirit are we carrying? How do we stand firm in the middle of challenges? Here it is. Number two, know who you are. Know who you are. I know who I am. See, people laugh because I make short jokes. I talk about being short, and I got a big head and short arms look like T-Rex. All those things we laugh about. It's true, right? <laughs> It's okay to laugh. It's all right. I, I do. You know, my wife says, Don't cross your arms. That looks so funny. I'm like, Okay. Don't wear a hat. Your head's so big. I, I, okay. Don't, don't even get on my feet. Don't go there. Don't, don't, don't go there. Look at 10 spies told Moses, We can't. It's too hard. It's easier to have a poor image of ourselves. It's easier to think how hard it is. In fact, fear, obviously, will even cause us to be mind readers. Look at what they said. It's scary in there. We stood up, and we looked like grasshoppers next to them, and they thought the same thing. Like they could read their minds. They don't know what they saw when they looked back. When they looked back, they could have seen chariots of fire. They could have seen the host of heaven. Why? Because that is who we represent. But fear will cause us to shrink back. Fear will cause us to only see what our eyes can see. With God on our side, come on, we can do all things. We must know who we are and whose we are. We must know who we are and whose we are. Write that in your notes. We must know who we are and whose we are <laughs> if we're going to walk in victory, right? Life can be so uncertain, We've walked through many uncertain seasons. We understand uncertain seasons. I was manic depressive, bipolar disorder, psychiatric care, on lithium, lost my marriage, lost my family, lost everything, lost our child in a car accident. We understand uncertain times, but there came a day when we chose to think differently. There came a day when we chose to believe what God had said and not what we thought of ourselves. There came a day when we said, okay, this might look like a giant, but next to him, my God is bigger than my problems. Are you all with me? Yes. The one who is bigger than our circumstances walks with me. He's with me always. Huh. One minute, everything seems fine. You've been here. And the next minute, blammo. All hell's breaking loose. That's when you got to know who you are and who's you are. you got to know whose side you're on. Sometimes circumstances may seem and be unstable, but it doesn't mean we have to be unstable with them. Amen. Look at this, Luke chapter 6. I love this. Verse 47, 48, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching and follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. Everyone say well built. My wife and I are building our final home. This is our retirement home. This is our forever home. We, we she's already named it. It's on Paseo Drive. So she, she's calling it what? What's it called? Paseo Peace? Whatever she's calling it. Paseo Paradise. Paradise in Paseo. And I can see it. Here's the cool part. I built the house with my wife for years now. We've had it on paper. We're drawing it out. We're getting ready to give it to a, an, a, a, an architect. No one will ever come to that house, walk up and go, that's a really cool foundation down there. (laughs) No one's going to do that. They're going to look at the floors. They're going to look at the cabinetry. They're going to look at all the stuff you build. They're going to look at the mosaic tile. No one's going to go, what a sexy foundation that is. No one. Yet, it's the foundation that adds the value. It's the foundation that adds the value. So what you're building your life on it's much more important than what you're saying. Yes, sir. What you're building your life on is much more important than the way you act at church. Because if you have a proper foundation, you'll act like that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday. When the foundation has been properly established. I to say foundation. So how do we stand in the face of challenges? How do we stand in the face of our adversity? Number three, write it down. <laughs> Filter it correctly filter it correctly. Everyone say filters. Filters Filters are important, aren't they? I was at the gym in the hotel here just a couple days ago, and I I took my water bottle and put it in the water machine. They have a water machine in there with filtered water. And all of a sudden, I saw this green light flashing. He said, when flashing red, replace filter. It's good for your car, right? You change the oil, you want to change the filter. You'll get better gas mileage if you change the filter. Air breather, all the filters. Good on your air conditioners at home. How about coffee filters? Do you change them? Yes. You ever try to you, you ever try to reuse one one too many times? So Anyone? Yeah, some of you are like, "Yep, yep." Everyone's like, "No, yep, I have." <laughs> and all of a sudden your second or third cup of coffee at the bottom, you get these you get grounds. Nasty. Why? Because you didn't change the filter. I was fishing in Alaska. That's about the only time I fish anymore. Once a year in Alaska, we go up and I fish. I was there some years ago, maybe three or four years ago, and I'm fishing and I'm catching nothing. I'm, you, know, you throw it in, it bounces along, you rip it out, you, pull, you throw it back in here and you, and you rip it out and you're wanting to catch the reds, you know, the, the sockeye salmon. And you're just doing that over and over and over. After about 20 minutes, I look at the guy with me that took me here and said, there's no fish here. No, no, there's fish here. There's no fish here. He said, Yes, there is. Just go a little farther out. Just go a little farther. So I a little further, and about the second cast, bam, I caught a big 13 pound sockeye. Beautiful fish. I was like, Man, how do you do that? He said, I can see the fish. <laughs> I mean, you can't see any fish in there. And he had on some, he had on some sunglasses, and he took them off, and he handed them to me. And I went, Oh my God, there's fish everywhere. <laughs> I can't miss. He had on special sunglasses, filtered sunglasses that took the glare away from the water, and it exposed what was beneath the surface. See some of you haven't changed your filter in so long that all you see is surface things. All you're viewing is what's right in your face. There's nothing else. This, this is working. God promised me and it didn't work. God promised me and I still haven't seen it. God promised me. Change your filter. Put on some lenses that's been tuned in to God. How about we start looking through the God lens concerning who we are, concerning what He said, concerning His promises? How about instead of seeing natural things, we develop a supernatural lens from God? I, I want y'all to do me a favor point at something invisible. Go ahead. Just point at something invisible. It, it, it just doesn't make sense, does it? Well, yeah. You, there's, you can't see it. Everyone close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. In your head now, make a list of things invisible. Okay. What are we seeing? Well, we, air. Air is invisible. It's invisible. Um. God, God, He's invisible. He's on the throne. I'm envisioning God on His throne. Heaven, Heaven's invisible. Oh, but they said there's streets of gold and there's walls of jasper, gates of pearl. And now now we're starting to put that imagery together in our head because it's been promised to us by God. Oh, wait a minute, stop. I remember now. Your eyes are closed. Keep them closed. I see that business God once said I could start. I see the marriage that I once dreamt of that I'd given up on. I see. I see my children coming back to God. I've been saying they have been prodigals, but I'm calling them back home. I see what I can't see with my eyes open. With my eyes closed, I can see it. But with my eyes open, I can only see the natural. Everybody look at me. When you start dreaming with your eyes open, when you get a vision with your eyes open, it means it's being produced from inside your faith, inside what you keep your eyes upon. That's why this next verse is so important. I want you to check this out. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. they are plans for good, not for disaster. You believe that? To give you a future and a hope. Everyone say future. Everyone say hope. In those days when you pray, I will be there. I will listen. If you look for me hardheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. What filter are we viewing our situation through? Here it is, the God filter is the only one that allows us to see what our physical eyes cannot. The God filter is the only one, the only lens, the only filter that allows us to see what our physical eyes cannot. That's why Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 4, 18. We set our eyes not on what we see, but what we cannot see. What we see will only last a short time, but what we cannot see will last forever. (laughs) It's funny. In Matthew 6, 22, there's a verse that talks about it. it. said, if the eye is single, the whole body will be filled with light. If the eye is single, the whole body will be filled with light. Notice it didn't say eyes. If the eye is single. Not eyes. If the eye is single. Why? Because our eyes are designed as one to work together. To work together. They work as one. Are you with me? There is, there is a condition, it's called convergence insufficiency, where someone has it and, and it, when they turn, their one eye stays out. It stays out. It don't focus with it stays out. And it causes blurry or double vision. You know, the Bible says in James, let the man who's double-minded know he will receive nothing from God. Why am I using eyes and mind? Because it's the brain that controls the eyes. You don't necessarily have an eye problem, you have an optic nerve problem that goes to the brain. That's why I'm telling you this if you think in your human brain, if you think in your human mind, you'll never produce spiritual vision. You'll never produce God's promises because they are spiritual. Some of you have faith convergence insufficiency. Which means you need to go to the Romans 12 and say, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renew of your mind so your eyes will focus, you'll be single-minded, your whole body will be full of light, and now you'll begin to see things with right the right filter that you couldn't see that were right there all the time that could have been yours. You see, you've given up, some of you, on your business, on your dreams, on your family, on your marriage, on yourself. You see yourself a certain way, look again. You see your family a certain way. Look again. This time, put it on through the eyes of faith. And I promise you, you'll see it differently. <laughs> I don't say this because I'm preaching at you. You remember the old statement when you point your finger, what? There's three more pointing back at you. It's the same thing when I preach. I preach to myself. I don't want to practice what I preach. I want to preach what I'm practicing. You all with me? So I'm imploring you. I'm imploring you not to die with a dream in your heart. Not to die without trying what God said, without striking out. If you do what God said, it will come to pass. Come on, y'all with me? Having to believe this? Then we pray. Father, I just pray for every individual that's here right now. I pray, God, that you would meet each one at the point of their greatest need. God, their greatest need of wherever they stand right now. God, let those that are here that that know you and love you know that you love them, that you have their best interest at heart. Now, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just for a moment, just for a moment. Maybe here you're born again, you know Jesus Christ, you know you're going to heaven, you know your salvation's okay, but maybe you've lost a bit of vision. Maybe you haven't changed your spiritual filter in a while. Maybe you've given up some hopes and dreams. Maybe there was a promise because it didn't come passing your time. You start focusing on other things. Maybe you've got one eye on God's promise, but with convergence insufficiency, you've got your other eye on something else. So I want you to be honest. Although you're born again, although you're going to heaven, although your salvation's okay, if you need prayer because you feel God dealing with your heart, You feel like you've missed a step. You've not changed the filter in a while. You feel like things aren't clear when you open your eyes. You want to dream again. You want, to, you want to breathe life again. You want to be positive again. Come on. You, you want to believe God's promise for your life again, and you've somewhat let go, or you've maybe even just given up, and you say, that's me. I want to change. I want to grab a hold of that again. I need to readjust. I need to rethink. I need a new filter. I need a new lens. If that's you and you want prayer in a way of asking for prayer, come on, just slip your hand up and right back down. Slip it up. Come on. Good, 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 good. Put them right back down. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Thank you. Father, I pray for every individual, those here and those online right now that are saying, I've lost some of my vision. I've lost. I've not changed my filter in a while. I need a new lens. I need to look through the lens that God gives me. Holy Spirit, remind them in the coming days, weeks, months, and even years of this moment. Remind them, Holy Spirit, that's one of your ministries to us. Go with them. Never let them be the same as when they came in here today. Now, one more question, I'm going to let you go. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord? Do you know him as your Savior? I'm not asking you if you went to church as a child, you were baptized as a baby, or if you're a good person. I hear that all the time. That's not your entrance into heaven. It's not salvation. The Bible says we've all sinned, and we've all come short of God's best. Because man fell, sin entered the world, passed through all of us. Sin separates us from God, so when we were born, we were born separated from God. The Bible goes on to say, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sins. In the Old Testament, that's why they would take a lamb, known as the spotless lamb, the firstborn lamb. They would sacrifice that animal. The high priest would take the blood and offer it in ceremonial fashion to cover the people's sins for one year. And they would do that every year, but because a man sinned, ultimately a man would have to die. That's why Jesus came to earth in the form of a man. He lived a perfect life. That's why he's known as the spotless Lamb of God. At the end of his life, they led him to a cross where he laid his life down, spilling out his blood. His blood doesn't cover sin for a year, his blood obliterates sin, past, present, and future. They buried him, but three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death because he loved us that much. The book of Romans says this. Now, listen, because this is salvation. The book of Romans says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. What does that mean to be saved? Well, first of all, it means saved from an empty life in this world. You know that, that emptiness you've tried to fill through the years, maybe with drugs or alcohol, parties, relationships, business, money, career, hobbies, busyness, but you still say there must be more to life than this, and there is, but it's not something it's someone, his name is Jesus. Secondly, means saved into a place called heaven. When this life is over, it's heaven or hell. I'm not trying to scare you. I don't even want to tell you about hell. I'm telling you about heaven. That's where God is trying to take you. Heaven's a perfect place. No more sickness, no more pain, no more disease, no more viruses. Love, joy, peace in the presence of Jesus with those that you love and those you influence to go with you. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father which is in heaven but by me. So our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to put a spotlight on you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you right there and those of you at home. I just want to pray for you right there where you're at like I did the others. But if you're here right now, you know you need Jesus. You want heaven to be your future. You feel that tug in your heart, that's God's spirit dealing with you. You're not here by accident. You have an appointment with God. So a hedge about up. Eyes are closed, people praying. If that's you, as these others already have, come on, just slip your hand up right back down saying, Pray for me, Pastor Kevin. Come on, slip it up. Slip up. Say, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There's three, four, five, six. Thank you. Thank you. Put them right back down. Seven. Thank you. Eight. Come on, is there another? Thank you. There's nine. Is there another? You'll say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. Pray for me. Include me in that prayer. Are you here? Don't hesitate. This is that moment of making Jesus your Lord. Thank you. There's 10. Is there anyone else? You'll say, That's me, Pastor Kevin. Oh, yeah. God bless you. There's 11. Thank you, ma'am. Man, I saw whole families lifting your hands together. It's not an accident you're here this weekend. It's not an accident you're here tonight. You're here with divine purpose. The 10 or 11 of you, this is what changes your future. I'm going to pray this prayer with you and those at home. If you're at home and you need Jesus, this is the prayer that you pray. I'm going to pray it now. Those of you who lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me out loud. Not by yourself. Everyone here that is born again, I want you to say it with them. Can we say it together? Everyone together. Father. Come on, everyone together. Father, I believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe He's your Son. I believe He died on the cross. He was buried and rose again. Jesus, I confess you now as my Lord, my Savior. Forgive me for my sin. Make me new. From this day forward, I place my life completely in your hands, and I place myself in a local church to learn more of you. So I fall in deeper love with you in Jesus name. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to help you continue that journey to find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus. All you have to do is go to the forward slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people and make disciples.